it's time for the first hour of the Dr. and Mrs. Future program. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Ladies and gentlemen, KSCO presents the Dr. Future Show. If you would like to join in our show today, you can call us at 831-479-1080. That's 831-479-1080. And now, your host, Dr. Future. Happy Future Tuesday, everyone. Boy, that was a nice little rattler this oh, morning. Oh, that's a good word for it, a rattler. <laughs> that's Lots right. Lots of people are kind of rattled. It was kind of funny, guys. I was indoors sitting at my computer, at your computer workstation. Listening to things crash around Yeah, you. listen, watching the, the monitors all wobble and things move around. It, was, it, it lasted almost like 10 seconds. And Mrs. Future's out there on the deck watering the plants, not noticing a thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I was just you walking know? on air. I, I, know, so. I found out about it from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I couldn't believe it. You couldn't feel this. So the 5.1 uh, rattled uh, our Northern California this morning, and it was centered around east of San Jose, as you've been hearing in the news, but it shook much of the Northern California Bay Area. Eight miles east of Seven Trees, what we've been hearing. But according to the National Earthquake Info Center, indications are that it was the Calaveras Fault, which is part of the San Andreas Fault System, that triggered the shaking. Mm-hmm. And it was only about four miles underneath the surface, which is considered to be a shallow quake, mm. and likely contributed to millions of people feeling it. Yeah, really. It's uh, the buzz. Yeah. Everybody we talked to on the way in was like, did you feel it? Your first California earthquake for our <laughs> friend visiting from the East Coast? <laughs> and and there's supposed to be an early warning system that detected it and delivered alerts across the Bay Area. I did get an alert, I must admit. Did you get it before or after the quake? After the quake. <laughs> I get it after. <laughs> but they said that it went out before the quake, but I, there must have been a delay before I got it. Uh-huh. You know, right. It was a good minute after the quake that right. the Amber Alert went off. Right. Keep working on it, guys. It's getting close. Yeah, the yeah, Amber Alert. Shake alert system. It's supposed to give you five to ten seconds of warning. Yeah, well, so much for that idea. Well, it probably worked for some. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll see. When they collect the data as to where the intensity was and what kind of reactions people had, and you know, they'll they'll be able to maybe look at how to improve that. But at least it, it kind of worked. It was there. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. Did the Amber Alert tell you anything specific about the earthquake? No, like, no. It's just earthquake activity in your area. Right. It was a warning for a quake generally. It, it wasn't specific about yet. any, uh-huh, right. any particular earthquake. Right. Just, to, just meant to rattle your cage a little bit along yeah, with everything. You, you know, know, I've really been noticing how the news shouldn't really be called the news. It should be called latest shooting in America. Oh, come on. No, seriously. Every single news broadcast leads off with the latest shooting in America. Like, they're, it's almost become a contest like a baseball score yeah yeah so i'm not going to call it the news anymore i'm going to call it the latest shooting report well charlie was talking about it in his hour about how we tend to have um, a lot of fear-based media right rule by yeah, fear. rattle your cage that's what made yeah. me think about it it's like <laughs> it's rattle your cage media <laughs> yeah and really, before all of this immersion into total media all the time, 
I think people had a lot of space between their perception of crises and their need to make it their own. Most of their life was their own life. That's right. Where it was actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, early in this show, I, we used to comment on how very few people had experienced direct violence in their life, but most people felt like we live in a very violent country, and the main exposure that most people have to violence is through the media, and the media's obsession with violence is actually giving people less sense of um, safety and less sense of uh truthful awareness of their situational exposure. Well, it's up to you to pay attention to it. Yeah, right? but I mean, it's, uh, the environment what do you choose is to part turn of into? your... I mean, never before have we had so many choices of information. Mm -hmm. Let's look at some information that maybe up-levels up us, uplifts us. Um, I'm with you. Field. Like, we have some good stories along those lines. I agree. You know, I... That's why we're here. Yeah. Because we yeah, know sure the there's a lot going on in this world. We're learning to navigate the newly populated high-res info sphere yeah. and discern what is really relevant to us personally. Because exactly. a lot of it is garbage. A lot of it is just sensationalism and it's fish wrap. Yeah, Here well, today, yeah. gone tomorrow. Preaching to the choir here. <laughs> <laughs> right. But being attuned to what is important. Yeah. Hopefully the focus will change from this kind of a grandiose national focus like the powerful people and what they're doing and somehow that's our job is to manage them. Well, we and elected really, a lot of them, you know, so we should pay but, attention. But the whole perception that we have that their drama is our drama is totally media-induced. And what's really well, important... Well, yes, but it, they also are doing them something like, like passing budgets for millions if not billions of dollars for various mm -hmm. things that is our money absolutely but if you want to have the power to participate in that conversation you need to pursue a career in that department and if you're not in that department then your vote on the outcome is equal to your vote and that's one in that know, reminds me 200 million people yeah well that <laughs> kind of reminds me of the our argument that um, MZ was putting forth with his friend from Tanzania mm -hmm. on, on the Saturday special. Oh, yeah. What week. were they saying? Something well, he was saying, Well, he was saying that um, elections, they happen in our country, but after the elections, everyone forgets about it. Yeah. And they go on to their normal life. And it's no but the thing is, is that they are doing things after that. They are passing budgets. Personally, I think we are ready for, for something entirely, a new form of structured that will work even better than mm. our existing infrastructure. Re-architecting. Yeah, re-architecting. And, and there are many options available today for upgrading the system. Sure. I think it's worth looking at some of those and see what might actually work. I agree. You know? We've got to stop rewarding yes, people who I, like I, to I, fight. Don't do that. And we've got to start rewarding people who love to help. Yeah, fine. Right. But let's do it. Yeah. Okay. All well, right. You and me are on the same page. Okay, now we yes. just need a plan. Yeah, I know. You just <laughs> needed to rant that for some reason, but that's okay. Well, it is the political season, and a lot of people are ranting other things like... Oh, no. No, Mrs. Future. Not more ranting. Please. Okay. All right. I, I let go. I'm not... 
Okay, you're rant. not really into. Yeah, okay, fine. No, well, I'm cool. actually. Well, here, like here's something with to rant the earthquake, about. I'm pretty much walking on air. Yeah, good. You know? Yeah, the earthquake. You didn't even notice it. <laughs> That's a good sign. That's like Saint Cupertino, who who became a saint because he could fly. That's me. I'm right? definitely He was so levitating. light. He was having so much fun that he just literally flew, and the yeah. church didn't know what to do well, with him. Well, I have been on a diet, yeah. but I wouldn't go that far. No, okay. So, All right. Well, All right. I have more upbeat news after the break. Okay, welcome back to the show. Yeah, Bobby's trying to connect via our special um, remote line. And we do have him connected on the phone, I believe. So, you know, when yeah. he's ready. There you <laughs> okay, are. Okay, there you are. Back to the regular old pots. Old-fashioned <laughs> connectivity. Here yeah. we are at the radio station realizing yeah. how great our connectivity Rich is. Yeah, Richard's here to try yeah. to help figure it out. So uh -huh. we'll, we'll uh, get somewhere. Yeah, I, I was able to hear the show through KSCO, through the internet, so I could hear you guys, but I guess you couldn't hear me. But, oh, back to the earthquake. Yes. Yes, it woke me up. <laughs> I felt uh, it was a 5.1, I guess, quake here. That's right, yeah. And, yeah. and it went for like a couple seconds, maybe three or four or five mm. seconds, mm. and then it lulled down for a second. Yeah. It was a long, long, and then, long. It, and then it came back up. Yeah, and yeah. And I said, "Well, at this yeah. point, do I get out of the house or not?" <laughs> yes. So the, when I got the second one, I was deciding: should I get up? <laughs> should I get up? Should I get up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It was only eleven forty or something. It was eleven forty. Eleven forty. Well, they said eleven forty-two, yeah. but the clock said eleven forty-one for me. Oh, yeah. okay. Did you check it right away? I did check the clock and then turned on the radio. And yeah, it started saying, uh, yeah, I guess it was 12 miles east of San Jose. San Jose. Yeah, I think and that's it was the four miles is. underneath the ground. The Calaveras Fault. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was it. Okay, well, we'll stay tuned, see if anything else happens, hopefully. You know, it's kind of funny, because I just posted a few days ago on Facebook that October 20th was a earthquake day it was a national earthquake awareness, awareness day. day yeah october 20th and then they had a new slogan for us drop cover hold on drop cover hold on and i just uh <laughs> posted a juxtaposition of that with the classic 50s duck and cover it's not just a slogan <laughs> back in uh, yeah. the 50s so so from duck and cover to drop cover hold on i remember in kindergarten yeah. They taught us to get underneath the desk yeah. and uh, prepare for nuclear attack from the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah, like, it was crazy. like cover your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be careful of the, the light, the blast. Yeah, it's sort of very ironic in the sense that we, here we have an earthquake and, you know, we've been thinking about potential nuclear escalation with guess who, once again. So The mainstream media? <laughs> yeah, that's it, Mrs. Future. It's all about the media. It has nothing to do with Russia or Ukraine or Well, it's not that it has dictators nothing to do with or... them. It's that there is a, you know, it's like beating the drum for war, the saber rattling. There are always people who want to go yeah. there. And there are always people who are going to be afraid that we're going there and it's inevitable. And then there are always people who are saying maybe cooler heads will prevail. 
you know, and the conversation about cooler heads prevailing comes down to, well, what is a reasonable expectation of outcome? And the conversation about are we going to go to nuclear war is about who's going to win and who's going to lose. Yeah, well, I don't think the aliens would let us. Good, I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope they exist. I mean, you have to, you have to believe that peaceniks. first. If you can believe that, then you're safe. <laughs> and along those lines, I might add you that our, our authorities are starting to take the whole alien thing more seriously than ever. It's oh, not yeah. just late, late radio anymore. I noticed. NASA announcing a UAP study team members. They actually chose a group of scientists mm -hmm. to investigate it from a scientific point of view. Which yeah. is really different from a military point of view. Sure. Or so a we're getting psychic the, point of view. Turn the military records over to the scientists and see what they can come up well, with. Well, they're only allowing the scientists to have unclassified data. Uh-huh. That's really a bonus. Uh-huh. <laughs> for starters. Moving in the right direction. At least letting yeah. people who aren't soldiers look at it. <laughs> yeah. So here's the unclassified data. We're not going to show you, you know, the captured ships or the aliens or anything we have in uh -huh. Area 51 or I think it was Edwards even. Uh -huh. No, we're not going to show you anything real or the, you know, the remnants of Roswell or details on MJ-12. So and, what do you think is going uh, on? <laughs> What's the backstory, Dr. Future? Well, I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's a genuine mystery, okay? Mm -hmm. No one really knows. Mm -hmm. No one really knows that I know anyway. <laughs> There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of Fear. There's a lot of fantasy. Yeah. There's a lot of projection. Uh -huh. You know, what's interesting about the whole UFO thing is that it's still in the public dialogue now for, like, since 1947. Sure. Yeah, humanity. We are so good at fooling ourselves and fooling each other and imagining things and mistaking clues for cues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or wanting cube to be closed. Right, right. We want we <laughs> or, want something to be true, so we hold on to it. And yeah. then we miss the forest for the trees. Meanwhile, we had a lot of cool movies. Yeah, that's the main reason why people love to fantasize is to make a good movie. Yeah. And then movies become the fabric of belief. <laughs> yeah, look at look what happened to the Terminator series. I mean uh -huh. people start to believe that's where AI is going. Well, you, you know, know there example, are certain people uh, in the AI field with jobs to make AI go that way, and until yeah, such time as but there they, are others too. But th that's the fear mongering. When human again. intention changes, so yeah. that the and and of course the people who the the podcasts about AI talk mm. about the fact that Terminator is not really where we're going, and it's not what's possible, and it's not where the big intelligence in AI is right now. Well, I can tell you for a fact that my Starlink system has not gone sentient yet. <laughs> it still kind of sucks. Uh -huh. Getting better. We need a few more yeah. a few more satellites we, in, a the, lot more. in the uh, a lot more. botnet. Yeah, a lot, I need a lot more satellites. Uh, I got 3,000 out of 11,000. That's nothing. Nothing. <sighs> okay, who have we got? Quite a few more. We've got Steve from Santa Cruz. Let's say hello to Steve. Hi, Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey, hey, Futures. Hey, Bobby. Yeah, I'll just keep this brief. I love watching movies about UFOs. I love the subject matter. Yeah. But I got to tell you, my opinion is, from a spiritual standpoint, uh -huh. I think there's a really good chance that there's just us. And I'll tell you why. If consciousness exists, and consciousness is what there is, I don't know if it really needs more on its plate than just our planet. 
I mean, that's a lot right there, huh? Yeah, just to manifest existence itself through all these 8 billion beings and all the potential variables with those humans. Well, you know, consciousness has got to start somewhere, and if not with us, who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. And, and, yeah, and I see. Dr. Future, you know, like, the other thing I think of is kind of like the Bigfoot theory, and actually I did go by that museum you recommended, but the kind of the kind of the the Bigfoot theory is like, in my opinion, is if there was really aliens popping up here and there, uh-huh. there would be like some better footage by now. You know, like we've had some really good technology for the last, say, 25, 30 years, and there's nobody really has met any met et you know okay that makes sense and on a certain level but what if they didn't want to be seen <laughs> that steve just so you know when i introduced my beloved dr future to my father for the first time early on in our relationship that was the conversation they had because <laughs> my my dad said what you said wouldn't there be more evidence wouldn't we have good pictures by now wouldn't everybody know that it's true and well, at, al's response least, was what if the ets don't want us to know yeah, I mean, it's, but yeah, you would, let me, let me, they would slip up more than they do. But there's still enough to keep people going with it. You know, there's always new... Oh, well, okay, Dr. Future, I'm going to play uh, Mrs. Future's dad for a second. If you look at, <laughs> okay. If you look at the physics, this is another thing, the physics of it. Now, this is where you really got to take a leap. If you look at the physics of it, when they talk about the light years from other solar systems, so they look at our, our planetary system, there's really nothing here but us, it appears. So the next one over, I guess, is the Milky Way or whatever. It's just a long way away. Alpha was, Centauri, yeah. which is um, 4.2 light years. 4.2 light okay. years. That's the closest star to us, which is so a long way. Got, it, it would that's take like, a star within the galaxy, yeah, and then I mean, there's if, the galaxy. If you travel at regular <laughs> rocket speeds, it would probably be take you 40 years to get there, you know? At least, yeah, it's running. They're not, yeah. they're not going to be in gas powered rockets to get here, so they, yeah, it's a little get, uh, given get. what we know today. But you know, our science is evolving rapidly, and the quantum teleportation is a new idea that has come along in the last generation that is evolving. Yeah, Steve, uh, consider that maybe everything we think we know is wrong, and well, we just have the we have the wrong it, tools well, just primitive. to even think it, about not, how space works. Yeah, it's space so that, makes and time. Me, that makes me dizzy. That makes me I know, but if we exist because we're, like, imagine that we're a nascent life form in a universe that is vast and complex and far beyond our comprehension, and in our limited sphere of knowledge, we have an understanding that is close enough to the big picture to function for our world, but as soon as we go outside of the limitations of our knowledge, we're baffled and confused. So that's why NASA is trying to find a number of experts, each with their own specialty, to look at this issue to see if uh, we can make any sense of the alien data uh, from multiple scientific points of view. If you take it in from a spiritual perspective, like let's say when you read Autobiography of Yogi and they talk about the astral planes, the astral planet. Yes. He describes the physical world like a tiny basket on a huge balloon of the astral world. Yeah. And that the astral world is actually the primary 
engine behind a lot of this. That turns everything upside down, you know, in terms of what we understand to be real. Yeah, and maybe the analogy is like daylight and nighttime, and our body is our seed consciousness that's like in the fertile soil, and our light body is the tree that the seed is barely aware of, except when we're dreaming. Well, both of you are making a good case for why we should have a spiritual panel to look at this issue as well Mm -hmm. as the scientific one, because NASA is not looking at those things. Yeah. They're looking at uh, hey, computational astrophysics. Steve, it's always great talking to you. we got to go to we got to go to a commercial. But so, yeah. Can I, can I just talk on one last thing? Sure. Dr. Future, if you get a chance by Adidas Amirage, yeah. there's a YouTube video that's called After Death Mind Makes You. Check it out. After Death Mind Makes You. Okay, well, thank you. Cool. Bye-bye. Always Bye-bye. great to hear from you, Steve. Thanks so much. All right. The okay. future will be waiting for us. We'll be right back. Side of this break. Okay, we are back. There's another very interesting story this week on both the science and spirituality. And it has to do with the solar eclipse today. Oh, yeah, this was a very unusual for you article. Yes. Appropriate. Yes, a partial solar eclipse today that takes place in the Middle East, India, parts of Europe, northern Africa. But not here. No, we can't see it while the sun shines on our side of the planet. And I found a very interesting article about this all over the world. You know, everyone's paying attention to this. But one in particular, there was an article from an Indian publication, Live Mint, that talks about how a couple of the main temples are closing for the eclipse. Now, why would you close a temple for an eclipse? Good question. You know, there is a belief that when the sun and the moon create the illusion of the sun and the moon being devoured by a snake. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the Hindu myth about it, huh? That's yeah. what an eclipse is. And energy is released in the environment by the way the light is in the temple. And they have these diagrams called yantras inside and around the temple. And when worshippers are in the temple, the sun comes in and this shadow play can look heavenly. Mm-hmm. Right? It can look really great. And the energy from the planets and the sun interacts with the energy coming into the temple. And this creates these almost like living mantras. Mm. So, they believe that abnormally large negative radiation occurs during an eclipse. And so, the flow of divine energy is thrown off during the eclipse. And what's disrupted is the aura around the idols. Hmm. Now, doesn't this sound like mythology? Well, this is how mythology mythology evolves. Uh And in order to prevent the negative energy emitted from the planets from harming the uh, idols, they close the doors of the temple. So the sun's <laughs> rays go. don't go in. Back down to earth again. Okay. Uh, it's dark outside. Close the door. Yeah. So they, <laughs> Before the, something bad happens. Because the Yantra influences in the temple are uh-huh. important. Uh-huh. It affects the disposition and, and the mood of the people. 
Very Worship interesting. It. And we stopped by a festival yesterday, a Hindu festival. I think it's the... Brookdale Lodge. Yeah, at the Brookdale Lodge. They it's were celebrating Year's, Denali, yeah. I think, Denali. which they said Year, was uh, the Hindu New Year's. Yeah. I'm not too familiar, but that's... So Hindus have a double double header here. Uh, yeah. New Year's yesterday. And Positive New Year's and today. solar eclipse where they got to close the doors to the temple or the negative radiation will distort their yantras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We won't be able to see it, but there'll be lots of coverage. Mm. We'll be able to look around. Well, we'll be on our side. Maybe that's why we had an earthquake. Maybe that was connected to the eclipse. Uh-huh. We didn't we let the... Uh, oh, that could be because whenever there's an eclipse, that means that it's a full moon. Mm-hmm. It has to be a full moon. It's a new it's moon. Exactly on the, well, it's new, uh, for us, it's oh, a new well, moon. <laughs> you're, you're right. I, I, I had it backwards. It's a new moon. So the moon and the sun are in the same position, and so there's extra gravitational waves coming from both of them in one direction. Uh-huh. So it could cause the crust to shift a little. In other okay. words, that would create either high or low tides at extreme point. But mm-hmm. that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Oh. Yeah. So we're feeling it here. In a different way. Earthquakes. Earthquake. (laughs) Earthquake in the sunny side of the planet and eclipse on the dark side of the planet. Well, it is mysterious. (laughs) It's quite mysterious. To continue with the news today, there was a very interesting piece in space.com about why the James Webb Space Telescope's amazing Pillars of Creation photo has all the astronomers Isn't that the most breathtaking telescope photograph ever? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. There's a very famous picture that Hubble Hubble had first shown us, the Pillars of Creation, a spectacular dust cloud formation. Yeah. That was probably the most famous telescope image among them before this one was the Pillars of Creation in the, uh, did they call it the Eagle Nursery or something like that? Eagle Nebula, yeah. Eagle Nebula. Eagle Nebula. The Star Nursery of the Eagle Nebula. This James Webb, you're going to have to use this as a, as a new wallpaper for all your it is computers. Pr- oh, profound, don't you want yeah. a live feed from James Webb? They could just scan yeah. the sky with that. And Well, and this image you could study for a long time. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's about 150 megabytes downloaded. Yeah. Right. Might, might clog your internet right. trying to get it. There's some insane yeah. statistic in that article about how one red pixel represents something 15 times the size of our solar system. <laughs> yeah, 150 megs. Actually, it's not too bad. I've, uh-huh. I have bigger video files than that by far. Mm-hmm. With this 150 meg picture you can download, you can zoom into the darkest regions at the very top of these giant dust pillars. And you zoom in and you can actually see these red dots that spring into view. Now, these little red dots, and there's dozens of them, they are suns just being born, proto-suns. Brand new baby stars. They're newborn stars, some of them only a few hundred thousand years old. Beginning of their life. A few hundred thousand. (laughs) Yeah, very young. That's very young. I mean, when Astronomy Magazine does maps of time of the life of the universe, there's nothing before 300,000 light years in terms of just the scale of information. So if this is a few hundred thousand years old, that's earlier than our knowledge of the Big Bang. Well, Mrs. Fisher, you're, I'm not sure I, I track that. <laughs> I think everything we're talking about happened after the Big Bang. Well, everything we're talking about um, happened after the well, Big Bang. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the timeline from the birth of the Big Bang till now. Yeah. You know, have you ever seen it presented where... 13.7 billion Yeah, years. and there are stages of evolution of stars where stars came into being. And right. 
300 million light years is very young for the formation of our universe because the map of time doesn't show what happened before that. It doesn't know. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, so it's the, you're saying the youngest galaxies. Yeah. The young, yeah. Right. Yes, well, this constellation is about 6,000 light years away from us. Mm-hmm. But the web, with its infrared, has the ability to peer through the dark cloud layers and see how the light in the universe is actually being born. How stars are actually... You know, this might give us a clue how to do fusion properly. Yeah, right. Because this is how nature does it. Right, right there in front of our the very eyes. The relationship of hydrogen we, and the beginning of fusion. The veil was taken away. The veil was dust, and we took that away with infrared photography. Mm-hmm. So we're able to see behind the veil and see heat. the star formation happening. And we have a heat signature as well. So we have an X-ray of the universe. Yes, we have a. It's the most interesting thing about it is is actually showing us star formation in progress, and that is just amazing. Our scientists are just stunned by that process and how we can now watch it in great detail and see exactly how stars are born. Mm-hmm. I wonder how they're um, conceived. How to <laughs> conceive a star? Yeah, I wonder how a star is conceived. I wonder if they're looking at that too. Well, they describe yeah. it as these hydrogen dust clouds get denser and denser and there's kind of an ignition point where enough hydrogen has fallen into the density yeah. that it ignites. Right? That's in the article yeah, there. Yeah, it goes into detail about how they're falling into themselves. You yeah, know, the, right. The gra- they're working with large gravitational forces, too, which yeah. we don't have on the planet. If we wanted to create fusion, we wouldn't have the mass of a star in order to well, we, create the our, fusion Our reaction. star has a gravitational force that's unless keeping all of us star, orbiting right? the star. Yeah, unless they use our own but star. But what we're yeah. observing is magnet. It's, it's huge compared to anything close to us. We're looking at a little red dot that... Yeah, 15,000 pixels at the picture. Uh-huh. And each of those red dots is about the size of our solar system. <laughs> so even with this incredible detail, which we're seeing about five to seven light years across in the picture, each dot is, is, is the size of a solar system. So we still could get way more res, but as it is, it's quite exciting just to look at it at this level of resolution. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming. So much to pay attention to. We got a caller. Should we say hi yeah. to, to Colonel Terry real quick? Sure. Oh, Hello, Terry. Colonel yeah. Terry. How you doing? Hi, beautiful, yeah. intelligent Mrs. Future and Aww. Dr. Future. Hey. Nice to hear from you, too. <laughs> yeah, you got Bobby on, too. And Bobby. Oh, good. Bobby's bright as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so be... what would you like to share in a minute before the break? Oh, no, no. I'll come on after the break. Well, you okay. still have a minute before the break. You want to set the stage here? On cosmology. Are you on cosmology? We or? are. We're, we're talking about the new James Webb Telescope picture of the pillars of creation. Yes. And the formation. We're actually able to watch the formation of star systems and actually how they're created in great detail because the dust layer has been removed. And before that, we were talking about the NASA committee for investigating UFOs has been chosen and a lot of heavy-duty scientists. And uh, we had a caller, Steve, who was suggesting we have spiritual people looking at aliens, too. I agreed. I think we should have an interdisciplinary team of people, including people who know a lot about spirituality. Well, fine. Um, You know, a lot of people who know a lot about spirituality included former popes and Catholic bishops yeah. who people into the Inquisition ovens and almost did it to Galileo and in fact burned Bruno because he was talking about 
physical reality of Yes, primitive understanding is another issue, for sure. Can you hold on, Colonel? We've got to go to a break. Happy to. All right, thanks. Be right back. Okay, welcome back to the show. So, Colonel Terry, you know that, uh, well, what happened to Galileo way back, but what's happening to Russia is, if you know anything about the patriarch Kirill, he was actually an ex-KGB agent, and the KGB had infiltrated the Russian Orthodox Church and is influential in getting Putin to invade is for religious purposes because this center of Russian orthodoxy is actually in the Ukraine. That's where it originated. And then it went up north to Russia later. And so that it was very important for them to take those. And they were, believe it or not, the ship Moskva had relics of Jesus, different relics in the ship when it went down. So I don't know if you know any of these weird stories about religion and Russian politics. Well, excuse my skepticism about relics of Jesus, which is not the topic you want to get into. Yeah. There's a book with the title called Nailed, and I have a copy, The Reality About Christianity, and it demonstrates that of Nazareth never lived, historically, based on the Greek records written in Greek and some of the... Um, Aramaic ones as well. Nonetheless, there are no legitimate relics of Jesus himself. Well, um, Colonel Terry, what's the most sacred thing in your mind? Oh, Stephen Hawking's diary. Oh. Yeah, speaking of reality. But uh-huh. let, let's jump to Cosmos. The, the Russian Orthodox Church, yes, the, the damn KGB infiltrated it decades ago, and again, under Putin, and yes, and he's installed you know, flocks as the hierarchy in the Russian Orthodox Church. And tragically, millions of Russians still cling to the mythology and delusion that is the Russian Orthodox Church and, if you will, Christianity, like other traditional religions, are based on frightening people to fear death and then manipulating them in other ways. Mm, The rule by fear once again. The entire record of Western philosophic progress from Aristotle and Plato to the present, demonstrates that. Okay, it's to overcome superstition and fear and the psychological angst about death, which Freud illustrates very well, among others. As Stephen Hawking said, coming back to the cosmology of things, the universe that we can observe and measure and calculate from all evolved from the Big Bang, or its equivalent, and we, and life, and biological processes, we evolve from evolution. And all of those are fortuitously far better understood now than they were in 1400 or 1100. Yes, by far, but there's still huge mysteries. Like, Would you agree that nature is our inheritance? It's, it's uh, our, our gift for understanding things and experiencing them? I'm not sure how you mean. Well, that nature is something that we learn from, that it is a, it is a wealth of information for us to, to understand the universe, looking at what is. And as Hawking says, you watch, you, you yeah. study gravity. Yeah. Gravity explains the physics of our observable, measurable universe. He doesn't dispute that there could be other dimensions. In fact, he posits there could be nine or 11 more. Yes. Theory. 11 dimensions, I think, is... Eleven, uh, I think, in string theory. 
and biology is explained by evolution. And again, yeah. that can be measured and calculated. We now know the DNA processes and all of those things for greater scientific, emphasizing the word knowledge and the Greek origin of science. We can't calculate that we know and measure and observe and can explain far more. Mm-hmm. There's no history of how diseases happen like there were in 900. Now, coming to where we are now, we've also got a choice in it. Do we care about humanity's future, humankind's future on this planet and prospectively elsewhere? Oh, I should hope so. You know? Well, when a lot of th- we're negligent at, or at poisoning the planet, at polluting it, well, well, we're we're soiling our nest, but we're just waking up to the fact that we're doing that. It's only been a generation or two since we've really started to have eco campaigns, and and you know that might seem like a long time for our lifetime, but in in a geological time, it's a very short period of time for us to recognize those lessons. Well, also, Doctor Future, look how brief a period human industrial activity, especially the petroleum industry... And how much has created pollution. Yeah, I... I and polluted the planet in, what, less than 200 years. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's huge, and that's why it's important for us to wake up even more to exactly how we're playing with the environment. So, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I think we can. But at the same time, there's some great mysteries that nature still has to teach us that we haven't learned yet, like the life-death cycle. Like, nature uses life-death cycles in millions of species, and millions of bodies are being born and dying every second, every second around us all the time. So on a certain level of understanding, nature understands life-death because it uses it constantly in regenerating life as we know it. And yet, what's the container for life-death? Well, it's beyond containers. It's creating lots of containers all the time and destroying them all the time. And that is a normal process of nature. Of I of would argue that life is the container alive. because you don't have death unless you have life. Well, life is what's in the container, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, so life is the flame in the container. Yeah. And lastly, I will emphasize, I've experienced near-death experiences twice, which lead me to conclude my own observations, as well as having read other people on the subject. That there's a continuity, right? Well, there's a consciousness continuity, I think, specifically. Yeah, yeah, so you can remember. And hopefully, or or whatever, at any rate, the prospect for... And I enjoy, I look forward... To enjoy my consciousness continuity with people I like, like <laughs> in the future. Forever. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, that's what life gives us. Life gives us a never-ending story that uh, we can jump into and jump out of as new, evolving life forms. Man's constant quest for eternity. Coming back, <laughs> it doesn't matter that we poison and pollute this planet and destroy ourselves with nuclear weapons from Putin because we can engage in continence continuity. Maybe. Well, I don't think you're right about that. I think everything matters. I think thoughts matter. I think moments matter. I think the use of the tiny speck of infinite time that each of us is gifted with matters and that creation has many frontiers and is exploring everything at once. <laughs> so we have to go to a few more callers. Thanks for the call. I respect your wisdom and your caring nature. (laughs) Thank you. I do have that. All right. Next, we have Shane in Australia. Yeah, thanks, Colonel Terry. Yes. Hi, Shane. 
G'day, greetings, guys, and loving your program and loving your minds, all your your, uh, your guests who speak and yourselves. It's a it's really refreshing to hear it. Uh, if you listen to a Australian radio, you just get this sort of bland um, condition thing that we can't really talk about things you talk about. Mm. Oh, well, get us on down there. We'll talk down there. Yeah, you'd be surprised. You know, outside of yeah. the passive mainstream media, real conversations are happening among real people all the time. And <laughs> Yeah, don't you have talk radio there? Don't you... Uh, people can express their no. mind? No. No, it's totally controlled, and it's uh, very serious. It's got much seriouser since the uh, pandemic or the plan. Oh, I say it's all programmed. In um, other words, it's not spontaneous. Yeah, yeah. No, you cannot talk about. I think seriousness is a great killer. I think everybody who's practicing too much seriousness is going to go to an early grave. Uh, yeah, I would posit to say that too much seriousness borders on being a disease. Yeah, there no yeah, ease. We're, we're, we're in a very serious sort of like a very, um, you wouldn't hear by the propaganda and the tourist things that probably saturate your country, but looking at the generational conditioning of foreign corporations that control our country, while they rape all our resources, they, um, you know, condition the generations with abhorrent behaviours. You know, we've talked about this before with gaming machines and yeah, all the other care, things. And care, care false, Shane, false. You're, Shane, you're getting really serious. <laughs> yeah, and, and false history, you know, yeah. like the false history. Yeah. And I'd say to Colonel Terry, um, I disagree with him. There was a great gentleman who was banished by the Catholic Church because he actually found out the truth and he was actually brought up by the Catholic Church and he had one of these sayings, and I'll see if you know this one. He said, peace if possible, but truth at all costs. Oh, I love and, that. Um, yeah, yeah, and he was an incredible man who was a hero to truth and a hero of our, his, our true history. And he found in the Catholic um, indoctrination there was um, misconceptions of what the man Jesus did say. And he did recognise from the, uh, the information he had from Greek, Latin and Aramaic texts. And you can imagine he was brought up to be a proper historian and, a, you know, a factual historian with the evidence he had available. So hmm. I'd be... Uh, uh, you know, questioning what you're looking at, uh, Colonel Terry, especially with your indoctrination from the military, which really limit your capacity to see the whole picture. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, any, yeah, well, that's very nice. Uh, but it's true. But we all have our filters, right? I mean, you you have yours as well. Maybe it's not military, but... Well, it's been a tough one because I go yeah. up against a system that's been generationally conditioned with a false perception of reality through, as you know, through a modern Pavlovian perspective. And I was at a young age. Modern Pavlovian perspective. You use that term quite frequently. Modern Pavlovian perspective. Now, can you unpack that a little bit? What do you mean by well, that? I it's very simple. Pavlov did uh, fundamental experiments. The salivation. The, right, yeah. with the bell. You, you'd, he'd uh, train dogs to, to salivate when they heard a bell because they knew they were going to get fed. It was a form of conditioning that they recognised then that now has been adopted generationally quite sophisticatedly now through gaming right. machines, through yeah. mobile phones, right. through generational uh, false history. Hey, through it's the abstract single. o'clock, my friend. Oh, we got okay. Traffic news and weather here on KCS. Do you want to hold on? It's time for the second hour of the Dr. and Mrs. Future show. And now, your host, Dr. Future. Hey, folks, welcome back to the show. Welcome back, Mrs. Future. I'm happy to be back. Welcome back, Bobby. I think you're still on yeah. there. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And Excellent. Shane, too. Right? And Shane, and Shane yeah. from Australia, our expert in modern Pavlovian conditioning uh, of how we're all programmed and brainwashed by such things as mainstream media. And along those lines, Shane, I just heard a thing on the news a couple of minutes ago about how 
President Biden, our president, said that only Zelensky can make decisions about having a peace process for the Ukraine. Now, is that mind manipulation by mainstream media? Should we believe that? Or what's what's the truth there? Look, I would say, look at the bold and beautiful. I'm not sure if you've got that series over there, but I'd say it's better written than the script writers of the... Bold and um, beautiful. (laughs) The bold and beautiful, you know, that... um, series show that they've got with all the uh, you know people teaching generations to act out um, certain uh, behaviors and stuff and most people get captivated with that fictitious show but the, mm. the, the fictitious show we're watching uh, in reality is all theater and it's to keep us um, miles away from really the true reality that's being played out so it's just, just a distraction from what's really going on and it's just a nice drama for us to take our attention away from what's important Straight after the pandemic, you could see that, um, you yeah. know, like a script, they had the next drama happening played out, and um, you can see it's just uh, part of the script. Okay, Bold and the Beautiful, it's on Paramount Plus here in the U.S. Okay, so what's going on in your world right now? What's your main motivation for calling us today? Well, look, I was going to tell you a fantastic story that you would be astounded with. I won't yeah. do it now because it's a bit of a bit at length, and I know there's probably other calls, and mm-hmm. you need to go no, about. No, actually, um, you're the only only man on the line. So, so you can tell us your story. Think of it as your okay. your podium. Well, it's our, it's our, I don't say, well, you is, is a, a group, not a, not a singularity, but this story affects all of us, and it affected my people, the Australians, and a lot of people would say, and I talked to a lass yesterday who was one of the uh, replacements for the Australian people. Uh-huh. Now, as you know, I'm a fifth generation Australian, and we actually were quite fundamental, my family and other uh, the real Australians, mm-hmm. who were a little culture that d- were developed from being sent over as slaves by the British and there were some freehold people who came over but generally uh, we developed a little culture that was developing and in two world wars we were quite fundamental at being a part of changing those world wars in um, early battles and we had a little culture and it took me years to work this out and only, it only hit me in 2018 and you know I'm a good researcher in generational social psychological conditioning of the Australian social system mm. after two world wars where we were devastated by losing hundreds of thousands of our men uh, going over early into into wars fighting in certain battles that actually changed those courses of those world wars yeah I'm in well in my 60s but in my 20s I actually did a study on the atmospheric nuclear testing process programs which were you know what information was available and when i went back to do a uh, university for my first year mm-hmm. i went over my head this major documentary which was would be the foundation of what i'm going to explain to you now okay now ahead. the documentary is called silent storm british nuclear tests they might hide it from you or shadow ban it i know i was shadow banned off google the other night when i explained another perception that i've actually uncovered silent storm what was the second part silent storm silent storm british nuclear tests put that british nuclear tests before australian british nuclear tests now because when you do google it they put you onto a band and they put you into a whole pile of side tracks if you can understand what i'm saying Mm. so try to put it uh, just keep looking Uh now when i first looked at it it was over my head but now as it went 
by and I believe a divine force gave me that understanding of generational understanding of the true understanding of history, a bit like Martin Luther. Now, basically, what happened was, in 1952, and the great star in this movie, in this documentary, and it's a, a, real, a real happening, uh-huh. was a guy named Professor Headley Masterson. He was a scientist, an Australian, who was a patriot, who was asked to test on animals when they were doing nuclear tests throughout Australia. Now, giving you the the, the nuts and bolts of it without going too much into it, look at the documentary. I mean, I can't believe the documentary uh, was written, but it was written by Australians who saw the the tragedy that was happening to the real Australian people. We had a very singularity culture that was developing without much migration up until after the World War II. Now, under the guise of mass migration, because they had to bring them in, the British started doing nuclear tests in this country in 1952. Uh, wait a minute, are you saying there were above-ground nuclear tests in Australia? There was hundreds. Hundreds? also chemical hundreds. I mean, more than You'll see this in us. No, not as much as you. But, look, the main one is uh, what I found, and this is from scientists, witnesses and the evidence that I could supply, which is all written down, will give me, in a court of law, a quite clear understanding that I'm talking about reality. Okay. Not the uh, conspiracy to cover up the reality. So what happened was the British actually intentionally put 12 10 megaton plutonium bombs across the face of Australia. Um, they were all from 52 to 58. They were strategically placed. Headley Masterson, who was a scientist who was studying thyroids of animals, and he put them, um, actually, without the British knowing, he put up, and he died, at, I believe, he probably was killed in 63 of a heart attack, and the last thing he said, it's too late. A bit like, um, you know, the one who did, the American scientist in, who did the first nuclear test in the Nevada desert. I forget what his name was, but he said... Now we have become killer of worlds. Oh, Oppenheimer, um, J. Robert Oppenheimer. That's him, yep. So he was on the same page. So in 52, the British to 58 intentionally covered the Australian population, my people, with plutonium, which, as you know, half-life of plutonium radiated is 24,000 years. Yeah, not, now, not good. Are you saying that the public was radiated unknowingly? And, Shane, we have less than We're, a minute till the next break, so you might come to a pause point. Okay. Yeah, we'll let you continue. So as I grew up as a boy um, in in Victoria and the Eastern States, uh, because my forefathers were sort of knocked off through the war and mum was very sick, but as I grew up, I used to be asking the question from probably about six or seven, I could say, all of a sudden, everything started dying off quite significantly in the Bay. All these Australians who were the Australian people, my people, started disappearing and we were being replaced by mainly British and European people saying, you know, supposedly, I didn't know, I was putting all this jigsaw puzzle together. So as we started dying off in our millions, tens of thousands of Australian children first started dying off because they were more susceptible to the radiation and then they guised it out with all these other diseases. Wow. So they, they, right, they there's a, a, a cover-up. It sounds like you're saying there's a big cover-up of this whole thing that that, massive, massive. that you've helped on Earth here. Yes. Okay, we'll be right back after a break. We're, we're talking to Shane in Australia. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Shane.
Hey, welcome back to the show. Uh, Shane, during the break, I looked up this topic on Wikipedia, and it said that in 2006 there was a book published called Beyond Belief, The British Bomb Tests, Australia's Veterans Speak Out by Roger Cross, uh, veteran and whistleblower Avon Hudson. Avon Hudson must be a whistleblower in Australia. Have you heard of that at all? No, no, but look, it doesn't go. As I said, I've looked at this generator for a long time now, since I was in my twenties, and yes. basically, I've, I met a, you know, and, and I, it keeps knocking at my door. I was just down. I was talking to one of the gentlemen who was there was twelve thousand employees on the Maralingus um, where they'd let them off, and he was um, the last of six men mm-hmm. who were still alive, and they'd all ones he'd found out had died of the exposure of this stuff. So yeah. what happened was, through the disguise, because you've got to understand, we're a British-controlled system, mm-hmm. and we always have been, and there's someone obviously controlling the British too. But generally, um, as millions of us started dying off of all the, uh, the byproducts of the exposure of the... Um, it's strontium-90, which is the main byproduct that sits in your bones, and then you get all these other diseases. Yeah, um, so... They just... They just was it, let me ask you this, was, yeah. it, was it mostly affecting uh, indigenous uh, populations? It killed I, millions I of both, yeah. both uh, Aboriginals and Australians, but yeah. the Aboriginals were um, not as significantly affected because the main population of my people, the Australians on the eastern side, mm. were it, it, it actually targeted. They put it up in the stratosphere and then when... Airbursts. And then it actually was put in V, you know, like in, in Vs, and it was covered. You'll see by the documentary, it's uh, hard for you to really comprehend this incredible conspiracy that was incredibly covered up right to this day. You've never heard of it yourselves, and no, no one well, in the world uh, would be able to even comprehend the reality. Yeah, I don't know a lot about no, Australia. No, no. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Bill. Uh, Shane, Shane, I have a, a question. So do you mean that because Britain got the bomb and they were doing the tests in Australia for to get the to do the research for the bomb, is that what's happening here in Marlinda? Bobby, what I could say is basically they put them up in the Montebello Islands, up Northern Territory. Two separate projects the there, yeah. yeah. And Hedley Marson, who was the Australian scientist, missed the first two, but the, the third one, he was in hospital mm. with a heart attack, but he, they'd put up these special monitors, and when mm. the third one went over Alice Springs, it was 80,000 times background radiation, and then there's other scientists that will confirm that on the Silent Storm documentary. But as I said, I was on the pier taking, and I do a bit of drug rehab, and I was down the pier where I was swimming, and it was the most strangest thing. If you don't believe in spiritual or God or something, I'll tell you, in my life, it's just incredible. And it's become much more prominent now. And I, I'm a great believer. I've got to say, because I wouldn't be talking about this otherwise, I'm a great believer in Jesus Christ and what he said. If we'd only adopted what he said, we'd have a perfect world. Not what the Bible said or what the Catholic Church or other vested interests changed it to in control, but just his simple words of love, forgiveness, doing unto others are still fundamental. In my incredible ranting and lecturing in regards to generational uh, human behaviour. So I've got to say that in first place. But generally, um, when Hedley Masterson really understood what was going on, he'd put tests up, and there was another great American guy who put it up in Adelaide, and they kept on doing the tests because when he started protesting, he started getting really serious, heavy stuff by, you know, Asia, you know, the secret agents and the British and stuff like that were giving him a hard time. And basically, I believe they probably knocked him off in 63, or he died just of the stress of the heart attack, because last thing he said was, it's too late. 
because they didn't realise they were inadvertently releasing it all over the world. But generally, as our people died off, and you've got to understand, this is really heavy for me, guys, because it's the first time I've really explained it to an audience of this magnitude. And generally, when I worked out in 2018, I put the pieces together from when I was 21, so 40 years. I just yeah. cried and cried and cried because I got yeah. the jigsaw puzzle together. And the conspiracy is real, and it and it's not a uh, you know it, it did happen. And then as we got replaced, now we're just full of these sort of people. You know, there's all a lot of a lot of stories here, Shane. You're here, you know, but um, I, I found right. one good reference point uh, just for some of the facts was the, mm-hmm. the web, Wikipedia has a, a page called Nuclear weapons tests in Australia, which outlines the Montebello Island sites, the Emu Field, Maralinga, and and minor trials, which I think you were talking about, for a decade, 53 to 63, a series of minor trials occurred where they were testing components of atomic and hydrogen bombs uh, using uh, radioactive and toxic materials like plutonium, beryllium. Dr. Future, they put them up in the stratosphere and then they go along the slipstream and then they actually have them totally strategically placed. They were using our population, even though in two world wars we were very, very loyal to the British and we actually fought in our hundreds of thousands for the British not to be invaded by the Nazis. We fought very loyal. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that they just didn't want it. Them, for sure. Their number one is they're looking after themselves, number one. But Australia's got these wide open spaces where there's nothing for mom. I mean, if I was a nuclear bomb guy, I'd say, now that's better than New Mexico. You know, that's huge. (laughs) And I would think naturally, from a purely scientific point of view, that Australia would be a, a great place to test bombs. I disagree because anybody who is letting off the bomb is sort of insane. Well, today, yes, but you're going to look at the consciousness in 1945. You know, it was a very different world then. And, it, and, and nuclear was something that was almost worshipped. I mean, there were not just the bomb, but people were starting to create uh, nuclear power plants, for example. And, and that all, you know, promised to give us really cheap energy for years. Well, I have to speak on Shane's behalf. I yeah. think that the idea that humanity is entrusted with life and should be behaving morally... Yes, for sure, for sure. But I'm just saying the consciousness then didn't include an understanding of that. Always needs to be part of the conversation. And you can excuse the past because people's desire for knowledge was maybe divorced from their ability to know the harm that they would cause. But once the information came in... We shouldn't be embracing the knowledge without acknowledging the harm, and we should be learning. Yeah, well, we learn from the experience, yes. That's right, that's right, Mrs. Future. And the other one is, even Oppenheimer knew, he knew in his heart of hearts, and the reality hit him. We're all walking around delusional right now, and I look at, you know, through what I look at in my studies of generational behaviour, that we are all delusionally, generationally, and, and Pavlov and all the behavioralists and the TVs and all the different things that have hit our brain, not many people are really looking at reality. Look at what we've just gone through with the pandemic and how many people, you know, I've asked people, you know, through the pandemic, the field questions I've done. And I've talked to a lot of people and not one person's answered this question properly. And scientists, you know, I to get to talk to a lot of people. I've been just invited onto two major groups to work on different social structures. And I ask them this question. And, you know, did you have a vaccine? Yes, I did have a vaccine. Did you ask for the ingredients? No one, not one person in all areas of my social understanding of fields that are really responsible within our so-called in- intellect of our social system have said yes. I actually, are. and then they well, look at Shane, you kind of- I think that maybe it all is kind of a, a numbers game, and that 
I personally believe in the soul's ability to have immortal life of some sort and to go through constant evolution and that the mass experiment of this gene therapy vaccination on the planet is part of our evolution to both cultivate humans who have awareness of their bodies and either are taking responsibility for it or are giving over that responsibility to someone else. And those are soul level decisions. And also who are using the feedback that they get from whatever choice they made to inform their eternal journey of the soul. You know, we're all going towards different parts of infinity. And Mrs. Future, I'd like to say, from an Australian's point of view, you're a sweetheart. And you are all really beautiful spirits. And, you know, as Martin Luther's paid with his life and his family were actually assassinated, he was actually um, protected. But we started off with Martin Luther. He was a great seeker of the truth. He said, peace as best as we can, but truth at all costs. And that's all we need to do I'm is look you. for the truth. I subscribe yeah, to I'm that. Yeah, I'm with you too. Yeah. No, all my love, all, all my love, guys. And we love we'll hearing just from you, Shane. Yeah. And yeah. thanks for yeah. sharing yeah. your story. It's always good to hear you. Thanks for sharing a little share, bit more I hope, this time. Yeah. I hope we can share bread and water one day and yeah. with the spirit of Jesus Christ. Me too. It'll come. Yeah. We'll gather. Looking yeah. forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I think like... All my best... Yeah, all my best to you, oh, and, and uh, yes. thanks for calling. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you, Shane. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, good Bye-bye. on you, Bobby. Love you. All my yeah. love. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. All right, and the board is lit up, just so you know. Oh, okay. Any, well, let's take it. another caller before all the break. All right, let's go. go. Next in line, most patient among the connected here is Don in Prunedale. Don, hey, for, hey, thanks for calling. Hi, Don. Hi, well, thank you very much for taking my call. You, uh, as usual, have a great show. You You brought up the statement that oil, burning oil, is bad for the uh, climate in this world. Did we? I'll take your word for it. It's a military priority. It's always something that the powers that be in the world are fighting over. uh, Yeah, I I think cheap energy has always been important, and oil is our first form of cheap energy. And, but why do you bring it up? What do you want yeah, to say gas, about oil that? Yeah, gas, gas. It's our first form, but we're evolving. You know, we're 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 getting better at generating energy. But we need that oil as much as we need blood. If you cut yeah. the uh, oil off, yeah, and say there was no more diesel inside of a month, ninety percent of the Americans would starve to death. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, timing is everything. I, we're I, all addicted to what we've created in the last yeah, hundred it's, years. It's still oil gas economy, pretty and much. And before we had the stuff we're mining out of the ground, we were using the oil of animals. And our civilization does make use of fuels, and we do need to use that knowledge sustainably in the future because it will come to an end, no doubt about it. Anyway, Don, we got to go to a break. Do you feel like complete or did you miss something? You got another 10 seconds. Yeah. I just feel that people in that religion against oil just have a real problem. Yeah, they're missing a big part of reality. Yeah, yeah, we have a whole world to think about. No, it is. It's true. And we are mostly based, uh, we survive on this. That's that's how Russia is punishing the Ukraine, by cutting off their their gas. Yeah. Uh, There's no effect on us. Electricity, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it has an effect on us. Look at the prices. And everything is connected. It is. And we can't, we can't, what do they say, snub our nose to spite our face? (laughs) We have to take all 
facts into consideration and it's complicated priorities. Anyway, thanks for the call. Thank you. More to come. Bye. Okay, welcome back. You know, I was just thinking that during the break that, uh, in a sense, uh, internal combustion engines, you know, that run on gas and diesel are amazing in that they have thousands of explosions going off every minute and creating this power that drives all our cars. And we don't even think about it. We've actually harnessed thousands of these little explosions to make us move. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Now, it seems almost more complicated to do that than it is to run some coils and create a, an electric uh, motor. Mm. Electric motors are far yeah. simpler mm. uh, well, than what we've been doing. Well, just developing a level of technical sophistication. You know, you start out as a little baby who doesn't even know how to see. Yeah. And you accumulate knowledge during your life. And right now, as a society, we're struggling with what knowledge is most important to accumulate because we've got computers and we've got people who have skills that have nothing to do with computers wondering how come nobody's learning these classic traditional skills. And we've got all these things that computers facilitate that are turning a whole generation of, of learners into mind operators. And, and these worlds, they need to help each other out. The physical world and the mental world are a little bit oh, uh, I was, I was looking separate at, from each other Okay, right I, see, I was more looking at electrical versus um, mechanical yeah. or explosive energy. And I was energy. thinking that and how, and, engines, and how much more. engine knowledge coming from a girl who went to a physics yeah, class. Yeah, girls really think differently, I must say. We I do I, think I, I differently. I didn't have a thought like, oh, like what you just said. Not, well, I mean, and, and Bobby, Bobby, what were you thinking? Yeah. What were you thinking? Well, about? it's like Arthur C. Clarke said: moving heavy yeah. metals with expanding gases cannot possibly be the most efficient way to travel. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, it came before electricity, which is in some ways simpler. I love that. You know, <laughs> that's the mystery to me. On this. Anyway, we got a caller, Mrs. Future. We do. We got several. So okay. let's go in order. Here we got Kenny in Watsonville. I think. Oh no! Hi, Firefall. I hit the wrong button, but hello. Firefall, so, somehow yeah. you got to the front um, of the line, Firefall. That's it. Yeah. yeah it's your okay. turn, buddy. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <Yeah>. You're on. <laughs> well, I believe that first thing, right before the first uh, organic droplets of life was oil, that it covered the earth and large oceans, and it's the oil that we find underground that once was material that formed the first uh, organic droplets of life. I just want to throw that in there, but I want to ask right. you... Right, hydrocarbons. Like abiotic uh, sourcing. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question. If you've ever heard of uh, uh, a book called The Wave that came out, I think, in the early 80s? The Wave? In the mid-80s? No, I've heard the of wave. a dance tape called The Wave. I used to yeah, do a lot amazing. of wonderful <laughs> dancing dance. with... Uh, do you remember the name of that famous dancer? Who uh, put that together? Um, my oh, you mean New Wave? No. no I'm talking about. No, no, the yeah. Wave is the name of a, of a um, wonderful dance team. Yeah, she. Anyway. 
can't remember. Right. Somebody was telling me about a book. It was like a Celestine prophecy or something. I mean, it's a combination of something that already happened and is going to happen again or something like that. Keep Do you know anything about the Celestine prophecy? Because I've, I've never read these books. I just thought I would just ask you if you've ever heard yeah, of them. Yeah, we can sure. give you a, I, love this. I loved We can get, kind of give you the Cliff Notes prophecy. version of it. I definitely was in yeah. the mainstream of people who picked it up in the heyday and thought James Field was just fantastic and gave us all an insight. Yeah. The, the basic insight of the Celestine prophecy was that there's some kinds of knowledge that you have to allow yourself to be open to or you can't receive it. So it was a very different idea than this objective knowledge is all around you and only scientists have access to it. It was more like there's this subtle knowledge that you can reach for and that it's kind of magical. That was what the hmm. the way yeah, the, the Celestine the, the main character it goes on a journey to find and understand a series of nine insights uh, mm -hmm. from an ancient manuscript uh, found in Peru. And it's a first-person right. narrative of his journey as he explores each of these insights to see well, why is this a spiritual insight, you know? And, and that, yeah. the book's it's kind of up that. there with Jonathan Livingston Siegel. It was a real feel-good kind mm -hmm. of... Yeah, book. I read that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll call some other time and I'll share some books I read with you. Okay. More like maybe we could talk books one of these times. I just thought I'd ask you that. Yeah, okay. sure. Oh, by sure. the way, Thanks. one more yeah. thing. Uh-huh. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I ever had. <laughs> I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very... Mad world. All right, have a good one. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was great. That, oh, I recognize that. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for the reflection. All right. Yeah. Now we're going to go to Kenny. Hi, Kenny. How are you? I'm great. Howdy. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hi, Kenny. Uh, I'm calling up uh, because of this discussion on energy. And I've come across, I always do research and try to find solutions to problems. It's one of my hobbies. Oh, great. We so you've been looking at that. energy and maybe yeah. how to evolve that movie? I came across this organization. It's actually a company called Mad Energy. It stands for Make a Difference Energy. Mm -hmm. And it's started by a guy named George Wentz, who has long storied history in the fossil fuel industry, realized that that wasn't going to be sustainable, or at least it, it was too messy and we needed to get out of it. But he was addressing the notion that we just can't jump out of it. We have to gradually, incrementally get out of it. But he wanted to speed that process up. Oh. So he developed this incubator for clean energy. Mm -hmm. It's market-based uh, solutions where they, they not only do research, but they actually are producing things. For instance, mm -hmm. down in Suriname, they were just burning off the natural gas that was coming off these oil wells. Mm -hmm. And he went down there and he developed a system to convert the natural gas, you know, liquefied natural gas, and they've been shipping it to Europe to replace stuff that Russia has cut off. How cool is that? Wow. And uh, another thing is they have this program that I don't fully understand, but it's called Green Hydrogen, and they're working on that in the Yeah, Amazon I've heard about that. Area. Yeah, that's exciting. And the they have another one mm -hmm. that's geothermal, and it's a closed system. And they use fracking technology, but not to find oil. They use it to get into the uh, the deeper parts of Earth where there's a, a stronghold of large quantities of superheated water. 
Hmm. And then they have a system where they inject the pipes in there, they receive the water, but there's a pipe within that pipe, and that smaller pipe, it turns it into steam, and it ends up going to the surface to create energy that way, to <laughs> create like electrical energy. Nice, nice. And it's totally clean. Yeah. There's no exchange of anything. It's just heating. It's like heating water on your stove. But yeah. they're not using any energy to do it. They're just using the heat. Well, it's a, um, what do you call it, geothermal? I, I believe PG&E has an experimental station in Lake County where they're yeah. doing something along these lines with the, the geothermal vents there. It totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it's, it, as Tesla had said, we live in a sea of energy. Energy is everywhere, and it's yeah. in many different forms. And well, this guy uh, is a big fan of Tesla. In fact, he's reproduced the Wardenclyffe Tower. Uh, down in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're working with that. Uh. And I, uh, Foster Gamble has been associated with him. They've, he's given him yes. the AOK and known that he, you know, he's a reliable guy. And they also are working on what they call quantum wave wireless energy. And his claim is that they've developed a system that can reduce the amount of energy that computer servers are using by at least forty percent, and eventually by sixty percent. Because mm -hmm. they use tremendous amounts of electricity. So how, how's he reducing the power for the computers? Is it making the computers more efficient? or? Yeah, it, it, they're developing this quantum, what they're calling a quantum wave wireless energy, which is based on Tesla's wireless energy. Work. Right, right. Yeah, that was one of his um, unrealized inventions, where we could send yeah. not just radio waves, but uh, electricity wirelessly. And it has a, you know, these magnetic motor systems rather than just strictly electrical. It's fascinating stuff. But I just wanted to bring it up because, you know, so often we just hear the dark side of things and how yeah. everything is going to hell in a hand. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Well, that, that always gets people. the first attention. Yeah, really. Let's let's try and balance it out. There's certainly as much good news as bad news, you know, if but not you, more. But you see, maybe it's a, yeah, it's a form of distraction. It's, it's kind of like, uh, there are a lot of forms of distraction. Like I had one at my birthday party uh, 15 days ago. Yeah, do tell. Um, yeah, I was reaching to the sky, and you know, I've been I've been on this oh, special well, diet. You got asked a very poignant question for your birthday, right? Yeah. Which is, you're turning a significant age, turning a new decade. So, what is the most important thing you'd like to see happen this year? Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was pointing up at the sky, and I was about to talk about how we, you know, catching in with nature and all these good raps that I have on that topic, and my pants fell down. In front of like, everybody. In front of everybody yeah. in the party, on onto the Zoom and call, then, then, on camera. So nobody for... remembers what the hell I was saying, you know? That, <laughs> it wasn't even registered. So the good news I is... Remember the pants falling. That's what like everyone remembers. Yeah. And it's the same thing with bad news, you know? It, it distract. I'd rather be distracted by humor, personally. <laughs> but an unintentional humor has come to the best kind. There you go. It would appear, especially when it's at my expense. Meanwhile, effort counts, and I appreciate <laughs> Thank you, Kenny, for bringing yeah. up some good news and putting us in a solution. Yeah, call, mind. please call That's us regularly great. with some stories. I'd love to hear maybe go into depth about uh, something you're really excited about. I will do that. And thanks for the time. I appreciate it. You yeah. bet. You guys Always are doing good great. Baby, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah glad to have you. Great stuff here. All righty. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Take appreciate care, the Kenny. feedback. More to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've got a lot of amazing people in our community that are thinking out of the box and, yeah, and collecting stories from out of the box. That's true. Yeah, pretty yeah. neat. So we have a few seconds before. 1080. Yeah. We do. We've got 30 seconds. You want to go okay, early no, I, said, I was looking up some of this thing, mad energy. I was looking at mad energy. Okay. What is that? Making a difference by creating clean, abundant, affordable energy for the world. Uh-huh. It's so madenergy.com.
Yeah. Clean Energy Incubator. All right. Infrastructure Developer and Technology Incubator. Yeah. So Mad Energy Incubator. That sounds like a good idea. Who knows what might come out of that, huh? Some kind of fusion, fission reaction. Yeah. Without. If we're ready. Group mind thing. Group mind. When yeah. we can handle it. What can the group mind do? Well, we've got several more stories I want to get in before the end of the show. So look forward to talking to you in a few minutes. Okay. Be right back. Be right back. Okay, welcome back to the show. Yeah, I got an example of the just incredible genius of our species in solving some of these recalcitrant problems that have been around for a, a while now that are hard to get rid of. And this one is a piece from the Singularity Hub entitled, Scientists Engineer Bacteria to Recycle Plastic Waste into Valuable Chemicals. Ooh. So we're turning garbage into gold. Right. Garbage into gold. What an interesting formula. Yeah. Could it be true? And turning bacteria into heroes instead yeah. of demons. another Another great byproduct, or I shouldn't say byproduct, miracle of the <laughs> petroleum industry is plastic. Look at all the things it's done for us. Now, all the problems it's causing by not redissolving itself and becoming useful in some other form. <laughs> and finally, we figured it out. There are scientists who have figured out how plastic waste can become valuable. And that's the kind of story we like here. It's a new hybrid technique outlined in science. It builds on research which showed that a mixture of different kinds of plastics could be broken down and converted into useful chemicals by oxidizing them with the help of a catalyst. Mm. Yeah. The problem was is that the assortment of chemicals that you get out of this required another process to separate them out and to isolate and purify them, which made it impractical. However, they found that the uh, oxygenates uh, in this process can be created from living organisms. And this simplifies the equation dramatically. It's very, very interesting. I highly, highly recommend checking out that piece in Singularity Hub and our links page, drfutureshow.com slash links. Because we sure have a lot of plastic that needs to get recycled. And the bacteria seem to have a taste for it. They do. <laughs> Engineered bacteria. We had to we had jigger to. them. Okay. It's we to. shades of Craig Ventner and his work. With uh-huh. The oh, we used our secret knowledge of DNA to reshape these proteins, these bacterium. It, it's recreating or creating in a little organisms that take in what we consider to be garbage and squirt out what we consider to be gold. You know, All right. What? How does that work? And and, and making friends with bacteria. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not science. talking about gold literally. I'm talking about metaphorically useful chemicals. Mm-hmm. So, on to the other story that I had along those lines. There was an interesting growth of brain cells in a petri dish. <laughs> really yeah. interesting, eh? What made it yeah. so interesting? Well, these live brain cells were taught to play Pong in real time. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> right. And these experiments, both human and mouse neurons living in a Petri dish, learned to play a video game Pong. And they reported this in this month in the journal Neuron. This gives you evidence that 
brain cells in a dish can show some localized intelligence, inherent local intelligence. That intelligence goes all the way down to the cellular level, yeah, which is what Bruce Lipton's talked about for a long time. But this is mainstream science. Well, and being uh, able to teach something of that class of life the rules of a game, right? And to create it so that they understood what the goal was. Right, right. First, the scientists had connected the neurons to a computer in a way that the neurons got feedback as to whether their in-game paddle was hitting the ball. This is kind of Pavlovian, huh? They're probably like given some little, little sugar or something if they hit it right. Yeah, they were given a reward. Uh-huh. Yeah. Spikes. Uh, they, they were able to monitor the neurons' activity and respond with feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if you hit the paddle, here's something you like. Happens. So the more the neuron moved the paddle and hit the ball, the stronger the spikes now, became. How was the neuron hitting the ball? Did it have to do a somersault or something? I mean, what was the what was well, the behavior? It's rewarded. You know, when it gets rewarded. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, so uh, there's some blur there in terms of it's, it's hitting the ball and it's getting rewarded, but we don't know exactly what's going on. Well, there is an unpredictable stimulus that's applied to the cells, and the whole system reorganizes its activity to play the game and minimize having a random response. Hmm, okay. So it's okay. sort of like quorum sensing or some kind of mass organism vote to go, like, in a certain direction. Well, yeah, yeah. You think that you're playing a game, you're hitting a ball, you're getting a predictable stimulation when you hit it. That's inherently creating a desire to hit it again. Right. And again, and creating a, a predictable environment. Right. So, so I'm thinking that it's some kind of micro level of herd it's behavior. A, it's, it's a kind of free energy principle. It's The brain adapts to its environment by changing its worldview or its actions to better fit the world around it. Mm-hmm. And the, it's the organism and the environment that the organism is in, and both of them are interactive with each other. Mm-hmm. So my analogy is the David Attenborough example of how a herd decides it's time to go to the next watering hole. Right? We could think of that as like hit the ball. And what happens is that one animal is done munching grass and looks up and starts looking in the direction of the next watering hole. And then other animals notice that and then they start doing it. Start shifting. By the time enough of the herd is looking in the same direction, they all start moving together. (laughs) And that's how bacteria work too, right? Uh, Quorum sensing. Yeah, that's quorum Quorum sensing. sensing. That's how... Group minds make decisions. Biology is able to create group decisions Mm -hmm. on a cellular level. Right. Quorum sensing. And so I'm imagining that these bacteria are like, oh, if I look that direction, then we get more sugar. And by the time enough of the bacteria are all looking in the same direction, the pong ball has been hit, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Feature, yeah. I think we should build one, you know. Okay. Play with it. All right. Maybe it'll be in the new Apple Arcade we just signed up for. There you go. Yeah, Yeah. all right. Let's look for it. Quorum sensing. A game. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's unbelievable what's going on. Uh, Also, our scientists have figured out how to grow a living animal in an artificial womb. This is new? 
the idea has been around in science fiction for a while, but the science for doing it has become more successful. All right, give me the details. Well, well. What are you boys? Well, the implications. With? So the implications is that. You, what, how? Are, where has yeah. your womb envy left you this no, time? Um, we, well, look. This <laughs> what would are you be implanting? Probably, this, I would say the experience of this would be more like a C-section, because. Uh, you don't have to go through the birth canal and experience the, quote, trauma, quote, that happens from birth. You, you would skip all that. So you have a very different grow? attitude as a result. Can you give me the details of the story? Biologists yeah. uh, have uh, created a, a living being outside of the womb. They've been trying to create artificial wombs for a while. Sure, real sci-fi stuff. Well... Yeah, I guess guys who w always wanted to have a baby but couldn't, so they That's had to create right. an artificial one instead. That's right. <laughs> That's why I call it womb it. envy. Anyway, they want to create a baby yeah. outside the womb, and how are they trying to do it this time? Are well, they just using a 3D They have printer? the artificial womb. Um, <laughs> No, well, it, but you it? want to know the detail. You're such yeah, a little a geek girl. You want to bag? know the artificial womb and how it actually works, huh? Well, you know, you're all excited about it. Well, I'm, I, I'm, in the I'm more excited about the implications than I am about the technology. Oh, all right. I won't distract you. you know, Go ahead. You know, well, the implications uh, are that you could clone yourself very quickly and easily. Mm. The implications are that we get brain uploading down. You'll be able to create a new body and move your consciousness that way. You don't even have to have any spirituality to uh, do that. You know, it's like it's almost you. hardware. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, much easier, <laughs> much easier than evolving your. You know, consciousness. you sound like uh, um, this sci-fi series that we just got into. Thank you, Taylor, for recommending the Gibson. What's it called? Peripherals. peripherals. The peripherals. Yeah, because yeah, you're talking about the peripherals, which is VR robots that can be inhabited by your consciousness. And that yeah. has been a fantasy of yours for well, a long it's, time. Well, it's something that feels like we're heading in that direction. Look, you can put on goggles and fly your drone and feel like your eyes are flying around. And it's a real natural experience. It's not at all weird. Doesn't that strike you as interesting that we can have telepresence right now very quickly and our, we, our species is adapted quickly to it? Yeah. Like all those drones are being flied remotely. Flied? Flew. They fled. <laughs> they fled the scene. They, they're remote control, and, and remote control is natural mm -hmm. for us to do that. Look, even in our cars, we're sitting in our cars. Or we're, the cars are an extension of our nervous system. They're our bodies as we're driving down the road because you don't want to get hit. Mm -hmm. you know? And so it, it's an extension. You know, we're constantly doing that. Now it's to the point where it's not just anywhere on the planet. It's within the solar system. You know, with the guys who are on Mars flying those little robots around, uh, the, uh, the rovers, they are feeling like they've been on Mars all day at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And that comes naturally to us. So yeah. what does that tell you about who we are to find these sorts of things so natural? Do you think any other animals are reacting this way? Oh, no, I do think it's alien. I do think it's, no, it's us. that and we're we, the mutants. Yeah, we, we are the, planet the mutant planet is tolerating our evolution. So it's moving, it's moving us so that we're able to move our consciousness around at will, ultimately. Yeah. I think that's what's exciting to me and also that you can live forever you'll continue to exist from body to body even without the understanding of spiritually how that actually does work for us now We're yeah to you don't want to take human. a spiritual route no huh? i didn't say that i oh, didn't okay. say that i said everyone else does everyone does and this you're is you're kind of like ah the option. spiritual route that's for the easy that's for the people who want the you the don't have to think path. about it it'll just happen to you <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you want to move your consciousness to another body, 
that's a whole nother story. It probably won't happen on this one. Probably happen on Mars because they'll have less of issues about this. Time to go. Anyway. In our last <laughs> minute here. And Bobby, are you still there? Bobby. We've been waiting for you. He's, oh, you know, you've been you, on hold for a while now. Hold? Dude. Oh, yeah, I did. I, oh, I, said, I thought yeah. you were here the whole yeah, time. Yeah, I thought a lot of things I was saying you'd have comments on. I, but anyway. I, I, I could hear you guys. I oh, good. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> okay, well, we'll give you the final your... minutes, Bobby. What do you, you want to tell our audience today? I just love everybody that's called in today. It's been wonderful, and it's going to be better, I'm telling you. It's uh, going to be better. The future. How can it get better than this? Well, we'll see. Yeah. Right? KSEO yeah. Santa Cruz. Yeah. We'll see.